heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. I think it's important to look at the playbook of the Marxist left to understand what they're up to when they come out with all these fancy names. And, you know, because, again, they're brilliant at the packaging. The reality of the sad thing about all this is that a great many people buy what they're selling. But it's not always uh, what's very seldom what they uh, market out there to people. You remember, like, Occupy Wall Street. Uh, you remember the Me Too movement, right? Of course, we see current day Black Lives Matter and Tifa, all of this stuff going on. And now you see uh, a new holiday, federal holiday, that uh, a lot of people really don't even know what it is yet. Juneteenth, it's called Juneteenth. And uh, so, and boy, there's some interesting stats I got to give you on what we spend on federal uh, holidays and uh, how many the, uh, the government players get, probably why most of the rest of us work, right? Um, but there's this, there's these programs that the left always puts out. They're, it's just a web, a web of deceit. And they put it out to, uh, uh, capture people's minds, imaginations, but at the same time, it never is what they're peddling. You've also been hearing all this stuff about reparations. Uh, this is another program, uh, to, uh, attract people. And what they do is they, they want to capture people at the bottom rung, people that are just trying to make their way up in society, really people that are, you know, they, they, they are looking for an extra step, uh, something to give them a, a, a jump up, if you will. And, uh, that's what the left does is they put these kinds of programs out to trap them. It really is a trap. And it's all about capturing their votes and enslaving people. Now, all this at the same time builds bigger government. It's all it does. It builds this apparatus. So it becomes an oligarch. And really, slowly but surely, and these days it's actually pretty quick, we've gone from a representative republic, a, a democracy, if you will, uh, to a uh, oligarchy is where we're at now. I mean, we're, we're represented by the very few. And uh, most Americans are uh, sensitive to that and don't know quite how to take the power back. Uh, it's an ongoing battle here. We, we are experiencing our country, but it's serious business here. We're going to talk today and expose all of this with the Marxist left. We have a, just a, an amazing program coming up. Uh, for the first time, I'm going to talk to um, Reverend Mason Weaver. He's a former Black Panther, very interesting fellow. I'm really looking forward to having the conversation with him. And also, Pierre Wilson will join us. He's the National Director of Blexit. And everyone knows that uh, Blexit has been very, very successful uh, in the endeavors of getting people off the plantation, if you will. You know, the first time I heard that term, off the plantation, it was with my uh, dear friend, uh, uh, Reverend uh, C.L. Bryant. And, and Herman Kane used to use it a lot as well. Uh, he, he was, uh, I did a lot of shows with Herman and he would use it quite a bit on the program, the plantation. So I, I finally, years back, understood what they were talking about here. Um, let me bring on now and, and get right to it. Uh, Reverend Mason Weaver joins us and uh, so you are a former Black Panther, author of many, many books, uh, probably a dozen or more, a speaker, lecturer. Uh, you're certainly always a voice out there that people go to. to, to uh, in fact, I didn't realize this. 
uh, Mason, but your your book, actually, you have a book out. It's okay to leave the plantation. I just noticed here a bit ago. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. That came out in 1996 before most of the guys you mentioned were born. Wow. Wow. Well, I remember CL used to talk to me uh, about it. He would yeah. reference the plantation. In fact, they did documentaries about this and all. Um, you know, it's like when certain things, Mason, when you bring them up, like leave the plantation or the Underground Railroad, they bring up a bunch of emotions for people. This whole thing about leaving the plantation, let's start right there. What do you what do you make of that? How are you wrote that book back in the 90s? How are we doing with leaving the plantation? Well, we're leaving, but masters not broadcasting the fact that most of us are leaving the plantation. Uh, the, the plantation was always a system to make you think that your priority in life was to be the best slave on the plantation, never to be free of the plantation. They want you to work hard, making babies for master to take care of, and let master raise your kids to work for his kids, and to allow you to think that those who want to help you off the plantation are really against you. They told the slaves that you really think that if you leave here, those white folks up north is going to give you a job over other white people? They hate you. They want you to die. Your mother left. She's not even hearing what is gone. And so slaves right now, the modern-day slaves in the city, ghetto dwellers, are afraid of freedom. They think that poverty is royalty. That's why they continue to, to demand benefits. Benefits. And, and they demand low-income housing. They demand Medicare. They, 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 they demand. And when they riot, they burn down masters' slave quarters so they don't own the homes. And they demand master to build them back again. It is a plantation mentality. So I wrote that book to illustrate the, the mental capacity that this, this political system has to convince people to vote against their own personal interests. Hmm. You know, you got me thinking when you say they think their poverty is royalty, uh, that says plenty right there. But you see, the, the left, they're brilliant at how they do this, though, and they capture people in their lives when they really do need uh, a path forward, I guess is the best way I'd say it, Mason. You know, they're looking for a path forward. And then they put well, these programs out there because, to capture them. That's because you're nice. That's because you're kind and gentle. But actually, sir, they're not looking to go anywhere. They're not seeking a better life. They're not trying to get their life together. They're sitting there begging and whining and, and complaining. Mm -hmm. Because if you're, you're trying to do something with your life, the first thing you're burned down is not your neighborhood. You're burned down those gang prep public schools in your neighborhood. Okay. If you're trying to do something, you would not have the criminals on your corner keeping businesses from coming to your business. Then that's wrong. That's, that's, the reason that people support liberalism is because they've seen evil. They've witnessed evil. They know evil exists. Mm -hmm. And they try to appease evil by giving them some little gifts and little attention. They have not seen righteousness. They've not seen conservatism because we don't show it. We try to apologize for being right. They call your name. You stop talking. It's our fault. We can stand up and start proclaiming the truth and just like the old Underground Railroad, take those few who want to come to freedom and take them to freedom one at a time. Well, that is well said. Um, is liberalism, is it a disease? Uh, no, sir. It's a mental illness. Mental illness. Well, that could be some mental sort of form of a disease. <laughs> well, it's, it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a spirit of, I mean, it's been around for since mankind. It's a spirit of Pluralism, serfdom, uh, uh, poverty, uh, abuse. It's the system that has always managed to get us to work as slaves for someone else. Liberalism is feelings. And we try to tell them the truth, mm -hmm. the facts, the evidence, the history. 
and they ignore us. People ignore us. You tell them the truth, and they change subjects, or they run around someplace else. The reason why is that if they admit for a second that you're right, that means that they have been wrong all their life, and they've been scammed all their life, and everybody they look up to has has scammed them, and they and they fight the truth. They fight, they get angry at you for not participating in their delusion, and that's why we really cannot bring them forward except those who want to come forward. And and our organization, Leave the Plantation, is only looking for those who want to leave the liberal plantation. And I'm not going to argue and debate with folks. If you want to keep picking masses cotton, great. But all these spokespeople who are telling you about you know, freedom are already free, and they're wealthy, and they got wealthy by hard work. Mm-hmm. But then I tell you, the hard work works. Right. Well, we're defining right now, really, it defines what an oligarchy is. There's very few at the top there, and we're seeing that right now. You know, in a lot of ways, based on your definition you just put out there, Mason, we all, you know, black, white, brown, yellow, we all, as God's children, we're, we're all become slaves to government. So I, I guess I would say to you, and I don't think I've said this before, but based on the definition you put out there, I would say we're all kind of stuck on the plantation right now, aren't we? Well, think about it, sir. You, I, I don't know you personally, but most of us work, and they confiscate our money for Social Security. Exactly. They tax us when they take it. Mm-hmm. It stays in the government bank being invested for 14 years while you're working. Mm-hmm. And when you retire and you don't make enough money, if you make too much money, they give you nothing back of your money. But when they, when they give it back to you, they tax you again. And when you die, they keep most of it and give a little bit to your kids. Uh, so... That sounds like slavery to me. You're working, your labor is taken by somebody else. You have no power. There's nothing your listeners have today, nothing to do all day long, that they're in control of. The government controls every activity you do today. Sure. This broadcast is government regulated. You, you wake up this morning on the government sheets for fire resistance. You run your hot water on government hot water heater that tells you how it's going to be. Your food, your clothing, everything you do, there's nothing you do as a free American that's free government. So this is sounds like a vicious circle. And like I said, it's less of a uh, skin color disease and more of a uh, people human disease that we're getting caught into this trap of government, which really is the bigger problem uh, within all of this. But so how do we break out of this? Because, uh, you know, right now, this thing is uh, this thing is moving fast right now. It's it's moving fast because Donald Trump scared the heck out of him. That's exactly it. They, are, they, they want to maybe 20 more years to make us beg for it. Yeah. They want us to beg for liberalism. They want us to beg for communism. But Donald Trump woke us up. And, and the reason he won, the reason we're now turned around, the reason we are awoke is because he was bold. What's going to change this is what changed history every single time. What works has always worked. It takes men and women bold enough to go to jail. What, I grew up in the civil rights movement. What won the civil rights movement was not those nice, kind politicians that we stop arresting those black folks and beating those black folks and discriminate against their housing and their job. We got to stop doing that. That's not nice. No. It took those black folks and those white folks to march in the South willing to go to jail. And that changed it. Today, we're not willing to go to jail. We, we have a church sitting up here now, and, and the government is telling the church, you are not essential. But the liquor store is. And you cannot worship your God your way. You got to worship your God our way. You have to, you, you can't praise him your way. You can't sing glory to him. You can't sit in church. You can't hug each other. And the church said, okay, we'll wait for you so we can do it. 
So the people of God seeing this, nobody wants to go to jail. So until we get enough and go and flood those jails with people, because they, they would not go, they go to jail. They go to right and go to jail and get back out again. So until America gets tired of being abused, until we get tired of being crushed and tired of our constitution being ignored, until we get tired, like our founding fathers got tired, like the Civil War got tired of compromising, we, we get tired and we go to war, we win. We win and we show up. Right now we're afraid of the truth and we're dishonoring our history by not standing up. They stole the election right in front of us mm-hmm. and we didn't do anything about it. Yeah. I was yeah. waiting for the call. Where do we meet? Where do we charge? Where do we, where do we stand? What, what office counting place are we going to take over like we did in Florida with George, when Bush was running against Errol Gore? Mm-hmm. We responded. They were going to steal the election then, but we responded and what happened? They backed away. We're not, we're afraid. Yeah. Well, you bring up a couple of very interesting points. The right always acquiesces to the left. They give in very easy. They don't fight the battles uh, and they get preoccupied with other things in their life and they give in. And the left, they know that and they dominate, it seems to me, Mason, because they continue to push. They're focused on their agenda. They know what they want to accomplish and they continue to push that narrative. And but consistently, the right gives in. I mean, that's that's a big problem. They are more loyal to their God than we are to our God. Mm-hmm. Our moral values are being constantly pressured to compromise. We're mm-hmm. told to compromise. They never do. We're told to compromise. And when you compromise on your freedom, on your personal moral beliefs, mm-hmm. when you compromise on your principles, you do not have any. Mm-hmm. And so we put our principles aside now, and we're, we're, we're honoring at the gate. This is their religion. Where is yours? That's right. Once That's we found right. out, we went. Donald Trump stood up over overwhelming odds against the most established, prepared politician in this country, and he crushed her because he showed up and stood up. Yeah. We, we do that, we win. That's why they're afraid of us to stand up, because we will always win. Yeah. You know, you bring up so many incredible points. I, I, I'll tell you, you, and you're one of the first ones I've seen or talked to that put out there the truth about Trump that I say all the time. And, and, and I'm talking about how they got, how he scared the hell out of that side. And, you know, I, I will tell you, Mason, I just had an amazing interview conversation with Dr. Li Meng Young, uh, the defector virologist whistleblower out of China, who just came here to point out what the CCP is up to and that this was a bioweapon indeed. We just did an amazing program, just aired yesterday. And I brought up the fact of Trump. Why did China do what they did, the CCP? Because the left in our country, the Marxist left, are lock and step with communist China. And they seem to be aligned in a lot of ways. And you know what, I brought up an aster, because what I say all the time is what you just pointed out to folks, and I'm glad you did, is that you see, we were going down a narrative where you had, uh, if you look back historically now, since Ronald Reagan was here, number 40, Mason, you had you had all these big government apparatus. You had Bush, you had Clinton, you had Bush, and you had the Marxist Obama So for eight years. So you had all of that. Uh, and then Donald Trump came in and this place was, we were about as soupy as we could be. And he did scare the hell out of them. They thought they were achieving certain things and then he kind of exposed a lot of this stuff. And of course, they tried, as you and I both know, and every listener knows, for four years to get him out of office any way they could. 
And then when that didn't succeed, I then questioned Dr. Lee Meng Young, is that the reason the CCP unleashed the COVID virus at that particular time onto our country? Because Trump was such a threat with all the trade deals, with all the economy, they were hurting and spiraling in China. What do you think of that scenario? Is there any, any truth to what I say there? Absolutely accurate. But you have to understand one thing about the left. You really got to understand, they will kill their own to stay in power. Mm-hmm. They don't mind putting out a virus that will kill their children like they would your children. They do not care. They, will, they just want to stay in power. They will destroy this planet to do so. So we have to be diligent, willing to stand up and say things that put me off places. I've been threatened everywhere I go. But you know what, folks? Gee, you only got one life. Mm-hmm. Let's, we, if, you, if you love your grandkids, you better start recognizing what's going on here. Now, it's really our fault. It's our fault. They have no power. They have no power. We have given them the power out of being kind. Every problem facing God's people in the Bible, every problem came from government. And you will never see the people of God go into captivity while they're worshiping God. And you'll never see them come out of slavery until they stop doing what they're doing and they're worshiping God. We have stopped worshiping God, and God is waiting on us to pay attention. We will continue to slip until we stand up. Black folks came over here worshiping all kind of false gods. And we stayed in slavery until we started singing those Negro spirituals. And we had this unimaginable obstacle in front of us. Slavery was embedded in our country's history. And it was in, and the population was, was okay with it. We started singing those Negro spirituals and a, and a Christian movement with the Quaker church and the Western church and and Minister John, uh, Reverend John Brown, and Minister Herbert the Soul, and those Union troops marched into battle singing, glory, glory, hallelujah, his truth is marching on. Slavery ends when people of God stand up. When America stands up, we became the richest, most powerful country on this planet, mm. and we're losing it because we are surrendering it. After you believe in God and God, after you believe in you. Man, man, oh man. Uh, you you are a, a beacon of hope and a beacon of truth. And I so appreciate that, uh, Reverend Mason Weaver, we're speaking with here. Uh, you bring it out there in, in the rawest form, and it's so important to do that. But the truth and all of the points that you bring up are so vital. I want to ask you something important now that I want you to think about a moment, please. And uh, that is this leave the plantation business. Now, here's what I want to pose to you. Donald Trump and his administration... I, I, the left knows this as well as the right and all the political folks, everybody knows it. He did more for black America in those four years than I don't know how many years than and prior. I mean, certainly nothing was done in the Obama years, Bush, Clinton, Bush, nothing was done to help out Ever. any group. That's right. And he, he went so above and beyond. And, and of course the, the fruits of that we're incredible. The economic numbers, we're talking historical numbers of jobs and historical numbers of, you know, uh, in, in people being employed. And there was a there was a really good feeling about mourning again in America. We, we really were seeing that that sunshine in America again back. At, and I'm speaking of back prior to November 2019th, before the handy dandy virus came out of the CCP in Beijing. I'm speaking about now. With all that said, oh, yeah, with all that said, um, here's what I ask you. 
what is, you know, great voices like yourself and, and many others, Dr. Carol Swain is on our network here, people like that. I mentioned Reverend C.L. Bryan, Herman Cain, God rest his soul, um, strong black American conservative voices. Uh, we've got uh, Peter Wilson coming up a little bit after, and, and we see so many others. Why are so many still encapsulated in that plantation? When people look at what what uh, someone like a Donald Trump, what he did for all of us, but certainly for black America, I'm speaking about specifically, why didn't that wake? I mean, I know it woke some people up and sure there was a few percentage points more, but not to the magnitude it could have been. I expected a tidal wave of opportunities in 2020 with black America. What happened and what would it take to get these people the hell off the plantation? That is a great question. You had about five great questions there. So we got two days, 30 minutes. I can answer them all for you. But <laughs> it's really, you know, I have two beautiful granddaughters. They're okay. 16 and 18 years old, and I'm raising them myself. I'm homeschooling them myself. I spend all my time with them. Wow. My wife died from, uh, must, a year ago, and it's just me and my little, two little girls. That's, I tell them, the interest in these creatures called boys now, right? And I, I just tell them, look at what the guy does not what the guy says. Don't pay attention to his voice. Pay attention to his actions. Mm -hmm. So if you just listen to what the politicians say, mm -hmm. you will follow the guy with the best lie. Mm -hmm. But you look at what they're doing, and you can tell. So I'm looking at, at the politicians, and I'm looking at black people who, whose lives have changed under Trump, and they hate Trump, which means they hate prosperity. The slaves believe that they're supposed to pick the cotton and master's supposed to take care of them. So you're right. Donald Trump did tremendous things, even inner city black folks. But I'm going to tell you something. You, you, there's a little uptick in the vote, but actually there's a massive uptick in the vote. But the reason you don't know that is how they count the votes. When they say 95% of black people vote for Democrats, what they mean is 95% of black people in the ghetto vote for Democrats. When I go to vote in my precincts, in my county, there's only 1.7% um, black folks in that county. Hmm. And when I go in there to vote, they never say, oh, it's a black voter. Who you vote for? They count the white votes, and that's how they do the women and the men and the white people and the Hispanic people. They do it in their neighborhoods. So you're going to count the ghetto, and you get 10%. Every time you get 10% of the black vote, we have a last lap of Republicans. So our job, the Carl Swains and, the, and, the, and Pastor Bryant, all of our job is to go back on that plantation and start the conversation, just the conversation, debate the issues, get the facts out. I spent, personally, I spent $30,000 this last election running ads on black local radio. Mm -hmm. On Steve Harvey's Drive Time, the number one Drive Time channel in, in the country, on, in Detroit and Chicago, we ran $30,000 of ads. And the ads are very simple. Why are black people supporting Democrats? And I would make comments like, they control every ghetto in America. Why you still support them? They control every gang neighborhood in America. And I would say every march, demonstration, protest, and a Dr. King had was against Democrats, including John Lewis. And that march at the Petworth Bridge was against Democrats. They beat him down. He got up and dusted himself off and joined the party of the KKK and became a millionaire serving master, keeping blacks in Baltimore poor as heck. Why are you still, and you know what? We, we tracked the results. We tracked the increase in our traffic. 
We know we had an impact. People, they were asking questions. I, I can show you the emails. I never heard that before. No one ever told me that before. I had a phone call from a gang member, a family member. I know this guy. He was a true blood, serious gang member. He was a drug dealer and a danger to your body. He called and said, uncle, uncle, I can't hang out with none of my friends no more. I said, why? Because they all got jobs. That was an effect. Don't let them tell you that Trump was not effective with black people. 450 black people went to the White House, high school kids and college kids. Went to the, ask the guy for Blexus coming on next. They went to the White House more than once, and they came back home and talked to their friends and talked to their barbershop. We made a great progress the last election. They stole the election. We didn't fail to show up. We showed up in record numbers, but you would never hear it on CNN. You know, the point not to lose, too, when you reference the ghettos uh, that, and, and let's all think about this a moment, what uh, Reverend Mason Weaver puts out there in referencing the ghettos. And he's right when he says, well, they control all the ghettos. And, and it, it really what we're speaking about is the crime that's escalated, the urban cities, all of these things yep. that are taking place. You're so right when you say they control all of that. And why would one want to be part of that, actually? It, there's no promise or life that's worthy in those areas. That really is where we're having troubles in our country, uh, because you're right to point out that in other areas of America, those are all the red areas. When I say red, when you look at the map after an election, Mason, uh, the vast majority of America stands tall for freedom, for our Constitution, patriots all. We understand the gift that, uh, that America is. We understand this amazing gift from God Almighty, this experiment that has been put forth that is now being tested like never before. So when you talk about spending money in elections and how do we get people off the plantation, you know, it's vital that a voice like yours is being heard to wake people up. I'm wondering how we get there faster because this frog's ass is boiling so hot in the pot right now that uh, I'm not sure what we do next here. It's a concern for me. It's got to be a concern for you. These next couple well, of elections coming up in 2022 and 2024, you know, the left has made some pretty strong inroads here right now with tearing our country apart. It's, talk about that a moment. Where we sit right now, I mean, it's... it's uh, it's, it's very discouraging to folks to see coming through this COVID exercise, this handy dandy virus uh, from Beijing. Uh, they're very, very concerned with where our country is. There's a, there's a feeling out in, the, uh, in uh, America that people just feel we're becoming unglued. Something isn't quite right in our country. Do you uh, the reason, hear that? The reason, we get, the reason we get that feeling only comes from that little black box on your wall. Okay. Think about it. That little black box on the wall calls their product programming. The next program would be this. The next program would be that. And they give us the image of each other. But we all go out to, to work every day. We work around each other. We go to the ball games with each other. We go to the bars with each other, restaurants with each other. We don't see any problem with each other until we come home and turn that TV on. Mm -hmm. So you know, give, give an example. Now, since Biden has been installed as president, We've had cops killing black men in the ghetto, but no riots. Every shooting, every cop killing that you know from history, the last five, ten years, everyone has been in Democrat-controlled black neighborhoods, but they, they protest white people, not Democrat people, 
white people. And they got us at each other's throats, and they got us suspicious of each other. They don't want to go into the place. They don't want to talk to each other. They got us not communicating because we're told they don't like us. And, and they're told that they don't like us. I walk out as a black man with a Trump hat on every day. Every day I put a Trump hat on. I'm inviting folks to talk to me. And I have not had one negative comment with that hat on my head. You would think I get beat up every day. You think I get, when I go to the ghetto, I got, I got friends in the ghetto, relatives. And I go have a restaurant, go to the restaurant, go to liquor stores. No one. I get positive comments, but zero, zero negative comments. So I'm telling you, America is just like all of us. We're all middle class now. 75% of black people are middle class, folks. We're going to work every day. We got a 401k program. We see the price of gas. We know what's going on here. We know, we know they're trying to get our 401k. We, we are all in the same boat. We are not separated except on that little black box on the wall. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, I haven't, uh, for me, and I think probably a lot of listeners, I know I get a lot of communications in from many of you out there. A lot of people have turned their television off now, Mason. They're not, they're not engaging. I, I don't watch it yep. myself. Um, it, it is a cancer. You're right to point it out. Uh, and it's, and that's one of the things I rail against every day, my friend, it's, it's the media. In fact, I think the biggest story to come out of this era is the media. The fact that they have totally destroyed any reasonable reputation they had. And they are really a cancer to our entire country. I think it is the media. If they had told any level of truth through any of this, through the, throughout the Obama years and the Trump years, we wouldn't be where we are right now. Yeah, they're lying to us. I mean, think about it. Not just the media. On Facebook, you cannot put a post up that's against their narrative. And if you mention the word COVID, they put a COVID ad on your post. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're manipulating everything we think about each other. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but folks, if we, if we look ahead and understand we are in charge, there is nothing in the Constitution that restricts citizens, not one word. Yeah. It only restricts government. Government has to submit to us, and we got to stop pretending like they, are, they give us permission to live and buy it back and be willing to go to jail. Yeah, yeah, very, very much so. We are speaking with Reverend Mason Weaver here. First time I've spoke to him, and I've got to tell you, I am just thrilled to have him on here. Uh, really, really pleased. Uh, you know, he's made so many incredible points already here. Uh, I want to continue on and talk to him in just a moment to get us a sense about this Juneteenth, see if we can educate folks a little bit about that. Also, very interesting story coming out of Evanston, Illinois, uh, regarding reparations. Uh, probably another tool of the left. I want to discuss that with him as well here. Uh, so many of the vital points he brings up, we, we've got to help him get a, that message out across our country uh, and to wake people up. Because as he knows, that's the only way we're going to do this, my friends, is to, is to wake people the hell up and uh, with the truth. They've got to, it's got to be with the truth. Um, our country is in a heap of trouble right now. Uh, there's no doubt. You hear me every day talk about this, but uh, uh, when you hear someone like uh, like a Reverend Mason Weaver, uh, it brings it home because he looks at life through his own lens it, with everything he's experienced, and he can speak about these things in a way that uh, I cannot. Uh, and he puts it out there in, in, a, in a way that I'm so appreciative for because it's what I always call the unvarnished truth. It is just the reality, the raw, out loud truth. And there's something beautiful about that, my friends. The truth isn't always designed to feel good. It just is the truth. 
and the truth can hurt, but it's what we learn from it and, and how we move forward with this. Now, I want to take a moment to remind you, HealthyCell.com, you hear me all the time talk about this, you hear it all over the network, in fact, it's an incredible product. Uh, and it's more so because of the lifestyle we all need uh, it is it, the health of our cells determines so much. One of the new products I've been really talking about lately is this Immune Super Boost, because it's got all the ingredients in there to help our immune system. And, you know, we talk about COVID, but I got to tell you, and, you know, you, you heard me talk the other day about viruses and flus, and we never know what virus or flu is coming at us next or what China's going to unleash next or what's happening, truth be told, right? We don't know. And so the key to life, I'm telling you now, is to keep a healthy immune system. If you do that and your lifestyle, not only will you live a longer life, but you'll feel better in the process. And that's what it comes down to. So the healthy immune system is the key. So in this, you're going to have in that immune super boost, there's the zinc, euchanasia, the D, the A, all the products are in there that you need to fight uh, to help you with this uh, virus business, whatever's happening. So I want to mention that to you and uh, and get that. Oh, our 20% off our listeners get, by the way, uh, your first uh, order there. It's uh, healthycell.com forward slash out loud, or just click the banner ad back at americaoutloud.com. All right, listen, I am really enjoying this. we got a new friend here, Reverend Mason Weaver. Excited to have him on. His website, leavetheplantation.org. We may want to update say, update that a little bit, uh, Mason, and say, get the hell off the plantation now, please. Quick, run. <laughs> Might be a little longer website, but uh, who knows. And uh, also, he's uh, a successful author, a former Black Panther, uh, someone who has lived life in every sense of reality, understands what the left is up to because at one point he was there and he knew what that looked like. And that's why he's such a great spokesman now for the out loud truth. We're going to take a pause here. We'll be back with more with Reverend Mason Weaver. You're listening to The Voice of a Nation. Listen to Malcolm, The Voice of a Nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Check out Healthy Cell, the leading innovator in nutritional supplements for cell health. Most vitamins haven't been upgraded since the 1930s. Healthy Cell vitamins work at the cellular level. They absorb better in a pill-free formula. Even if your vitamins aren't hard to swallow, upgrade to Healthy Cell pill-free supplement packets. Uh, these uh, products uh, clearly work, and I can tell you, after hours at the computer on WebExes and working so hard in our new uh, life with COVID-19, we have a great need for focus and recall. Boost your short-term focus and long-term brain power with Healthy Cell's focus and recall vitamins. They certainly help keep you uh, in the game with this new environment that we're in with the COVID-19 pandemic. So go to HealthyCell.com, use the out loud, all capital letters, out loud for a 20% off your first order of any product with Healthy Cell. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. Today, America stands at the crossroads of history. Our actions will determine the fate of our nation. Well, that journey starts here and starts now. We invite you to join us in making the ultimate difference. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters. Turn notifications on and stay in the know. You'll find all that back 
at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. join you back here on the voice of a nation it is yours truly malcolm out loud here and uh just a thrill here to speak to reverend mason weaver today we're going to have the uh, national director of black on just very shortly pierre wilson uh look forward to that as well uh, now I, I let me get right to it i don't want to waste time here uh reverend mason weaver bring you back on here and thank you brother for uh for being here and uh, being part of this year but i, I want to get right to ask you about this juneteenth now this is another federal holiday and let me tell uh, folks uh, uh, a little bit about that i mean this is a holiday that has now uh, a, a federal holiday and as i understand it here 44 paid holiday days uh, forbes had a piece uh, just the other day 40 listen to this everybody 44 paid days off for the average federal employees annually which is nearly nine full weeks of paid time off for federal government workers again each year costing taxpayers over a billion dollars forbes says this one uh is celebrated now on june 19th to commemorate the end of slavery in the united states what do you make of this juneteenth what is the goal what are they up to and is this another promotion holiday of trickery i don't really know you tell me you know if if, if i wanted to be lied to i would just call my ex-wife why do we gotta pay so much money <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's understand folks come on people what juneteenth is it's a national celebration of Republicans freeing black folks from Democrats. But you will never see that as part of the reason. Uh, the story goes that, here, here's the story, here's the story. Abraham Lincoln um, gave the Emancipation Proclamation free slaves only in those Southern states that had left the Union, by the way, not the Northern slaves, but just those. So when the troops came by and conquered some land, those slaves were free under that proclamation. After the Civil War and right before it ended, Many of the Southern slave owners took their slaves to Texas, which was a state, but not given a lot of attention by the Union Army. And their intentions were, it seems to me, was to rebuild the South by making Texas another, another country and asking Mexico to help them. So when the Union troops came into Galveston, Texas, they didn't just not go into Galveston, Texas. They went into all of Texas and freed those slaves. But only the slaves in Galveston documented that. So it became the end of slavery. No, sir. The end of slavery was when Lee got butt kicked by the Union Army, by the Republican Army, against the Democrat Army. So the Democrats are now pretending they are champions of black folks. Uh, Juneteenth really should be a black celebration in general because the Republicans freed us from Democrats. And if we don't understand that, we're going to continue to think that it's all Republicans' problems. So when I heard Juneteenth, I laughed. Here's another... We should, I mean, when Trump did not go to Tulsa during the campaign, because it was Juneteenth, I wrote them. I called the campaign. I was part of the uh, Black for Trump, Brown's vote for Trump. I said, please, that's a great, in Tulsa, that's a great place to spend Juneteenth. You can stand there and talk about the Republicans send 360,000 of their sons to die fighting their brothers to free strangers. That's a, it's a, it was the Republican army that conquered the South, but we are going to let the left 
dictate history to us. And we should stop doing that. Mm. Wow. Well, not only are they dictate in history, but they're tearing history down. The whole cancel culture deal is uh, uh, another point of reference that's happening. They're, that's become uh, lit and polarized as well as they cancel history yeah. out. And uh, uh, all of their programs are designed to tear America apart, it basically. Is. Listen, I want to I I talk to you about Evanston, Illinois. I'm sure you're familiar with this story here about reparations. And let me just give a little bit of context to what I'm looking at here now. So for everyone to understand, Evanston, Illinois is a city, uh, it's about oh, 10, 15 miles north roughly of downtown Chicago, okay? Uh, they approved a plan in 2019 to financially compensate black residents to address the wealth and opportunity gaps that they have experienced because again, uh, as the left says here, historical racism and discrimination. Now. And, and, you know, it, 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 well, and you hear Reverend Mason Weaver laugh there. And quite frankly, it's a bunch of BS uh, on the surface here because, quite, you know, that's the thing about this. I mean, God loving people just, you know, listen, I mean, I'd rather sit and have a drink and shoot the breeze with you on a lounge any day, Mason, than most of the white people I know. So how's that for racism, <laughs> so, bastards, you know? So, I mean, come on. Uh, it's a bunch of rubbish if there ever was any. I mean, we're over this BS I mean, quite frankly, and we, I don't do this whole thing, um, you know, so Evanston. So city leaders, they unveiled plans for the uh, restorative housing reparations. And it's the first round of reparations payments. Now, get a load of this, Mason. They would distribute up to $25,000 for housing per eligible resident. Okay, now Newsweek says to qualify for this Evanston's reparations program, black residents must have either lived in Evanston between 1919 and 1969 and suffered from housing discrimination or be a direct descendant of someone who did. And if that happened, you can get your hand out right away and get that money. Uh, now, what they say, to, to give you the flip side of that, uh, Mason, what their uh, community activists are uh, speaking about this, not a good way, obviously, and saying this, reparations are meant to close the racial wealth gap. The program that the city of Evanston is offering does not do that. Uh, one of the activists, Kevin Brown, says this housing program is not what reparations means. It's not all inclusive. Uh, another one says, just putting money into a loan is not true reparations. Uh, so there are other people pushing back on this. What do you make of reparations? What do you make of this story out of Evanston, Illinois? 360,000 white men lost their lives to free black people. That is reparations. Mm. You don't mm. owe me a thing. When I marched the Black Panther Party down Grove Avenue in Oakland, California, when I protest, I was protesting not for racism. I did not give a fat rest behind if white folks like me or not. I wasn't trying to make white people my friend. I was trying to change the civil laws in that, in that city so that I could own property and go into business. And once we won the civil rights, I went into business and I competed against white people and black people. I lost some and won some, and they could have been racist or unracist. It had no effect on me. I became successful out of hard work. So if you're gonna if you're gonna give reparations to the citizens of slaves, are you gonna are you gonna give back the welfare, affirmative action, other benefits you've been getting? And and I, but I want to bet, Everson is Democrat controlled, 
and always have been Democrat controlled. So any racism going on there from the government came from Democrats once again. And now they're going to create an issue and create a crisis and give black folks money so they won't compete against their kids. They won't have a won't have jobs. They won't be able to. So what they're doing is paying slaves to sit there and vote Democrat. Well, there, there's always a motive they have for these kinds of programs. What you're suggesting and saying is they're not doing that out of the kindness of their heart. Uh, they're the Democrats do- have never done anything out of the kindness of their heart. Look at what they do, not mm-hmm. what they say. Yeah, that is great advice you give your grandkids, by the way. And everyone needs to listen to Mason right there and give the same advice. Just listen to that a minute. Don't listen to what people say. If we could just get everybody to follow the rule that Mason puts out there, follow the actions of people, not their big mouths. God, that would be that would be huge. Because because we can I can seduce you with my words. That's right. I can paint a lie. You see yourself in the light. But my actions cannot lie to you. Mm-hmm. So look at the Democratic Party. What have they done? I mean, name one thing that Democrats have done for black people that you can brag about. Nothing. Through the history of this party, they have not provided anything but misery, drugs. If you, if you got Democrats mm-hmm. and black folks together, you have misery, drugs, prostitution, pimps, murder. That's the, and you mentioned the, 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 the parties. Democrats, here's, here's how they control you. They control the big cities. Illinois is a red state, except for Chicago and East St. Louis. Pennsylvania is a red state, except for Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Uh, Missouri, except for except for St. Louis and, and Kansas City. They control the, the districts, and they control the state. We have to rid them. If you want a free America, ban the Democrat Party. How, how optimistic are you that we can free America? Well, folks, we win every time we show up and we win quickly. If they, they got us so afraid, faith is a verb. Faith is a verb. It, it's something you're doing in spite of what you see. In spite of how big Goliath is, in spite of how high the walls around Jericho is, faith is an action word. If we stand up, I was waiting for the church to say, no, we're not gonna close down. I was waiting for the pastor to run for mayor and, and, and his deacon board run for city council. If we did that in one election cycle, don't forget folks, the Republican Party was founded in 1854. In 1861, we had our first presidential candidate. And that, that election, we said to the American people that we were not going to compromise anymore with Democrats. No more compromising. And in one election cycle, they gave us the majority of House seats, uh, state House seats, state governor seats, state Senate seats. They gave us the U.S. Senate, the U.S. Congress, and the presidency in one election cycle with one unknown party. If we stand up, we will win. If we sit out with our butts, we will all become slaves. Mm-hmm. That's it, brother. I seen a reference point, Mason, you put out um, a, a while ago here that you commented and said that we need a new underground railroad to change the culture. Tell us more about that, yep. please. Those folks that we advertised to in the radio were looking for more information. They kept saying, where do I find more? Where can I join? So we got together a, a place where you can gather because uh, see, when people are free, they don't know where freedom is. And so we're going to put a website up. It's already up, Leave the Plantation. But all of us have to gather these folks around us. You can't just tell them the truth and leave. If you took a 17-hour flight to France and you sat next to a 15th-generation Muslim and you tell him about Jesus and he lands, he accepts Jesus Christ as a Savior, if you do not put that man to church and then go back to his family, 
it's going to be lost. You can't just tell them the truth, and they can't just accept the truth. You have to lead them and feed them and let them grow. So we're going to have a place that you can bring your people and let them sit with us and talk to the elders and talk to people who experience these things and learn the truth because you cannot learn the truth from master. He will only raise your kids to work for his kids. That's what he does. So we're going to, we're going to be launching that. I'm having a meeting tomorrow, tomorrow as a matter of fact, uh, trying to get my donors together and my support staff together. And we're going to launch this on radio, including your show. And we're going to invite folks that listen to that, that those ads last election cycle. Yeah. We're going to raise more money on more ads. This, this midterm is going to be big for us because the midterms, they don't have the, the capital, the national and worldwide support for the crap they did. They got to do this on local budgets. So now we can go back and we, we, we got a little bit of, of hope in the House, uh, more in the Senate, to really change some minds. The things that are happening politically, I'm astounded right now. I'm astounded at some of these local elections and things I'm seeing. We... The people are scared. Last election, Trump scared the Democrats. This election, Democrats scared the people. And when you scared the people, they stand up to you. And we're going to win. Mm. I just went to your new uh, site there, leavetheplantation.org, that you're creating. Yeah. Uh, the new Underground Railroad, it says, brought to you by Reverend Clarence A. Mason Weaver. Uh, and you're, this is just going up there, I guess. And there's a whole, there's some good content here. You've got a lot of uh, uh, feedback, stories, videos. Uh, subscribe now. So it looks like you're up and running here. It looks like, huh? We're running. We're now gathering emails of people because they're going to put us off of Facebook, folks. I was surprised they didn't do a last election. They right. put off Trump off of Twitter. They're gonna, we're going to be isolated and blind unless we have our own email list of supporters we're talking to and sending our videos to. Twitter's going to do the same thing. I lost three million viewers, uh, followers on Facebook in one second. They took us off the air with no explanation, and that's and I'm back on air under my uh, different my, uh, my middle name. So. The, the enemy is going to treat us like the enemy. Mm-hmm. We had better be willing to, to act like we believe in God and stand up, and this will be ours. We'll win this. The only way we can lose America is that if we lose God. Well, that's been happening. That's why they've been pulling God out of everything. But they've been working on that for a long time, Mason. That's not a new event yeah, in our country. Yeah. Let, let them do it. We let them do it. We didn't respond. We didn't say nothing back. We didn't be because they they, they 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 put out first. Mm-hmm. Be gentle. Be, be compromising, be tolerant, and then they come up with the nonsense. And so we got to say, no, we're not going to be tolerant. We're going to be intolerant. We're going to be insensitive. Uh, someone accused me of uh, these reporters accused of being homophobic. I'm not afraid of gays. I don't like gays. I have, a re- I have, a, I have the reason, I have the ability to not like something. I don't like my, my granddaughter talking to a 30-year-old man. I have a reason not to like things. And I'm a grown man, and I don't like certain things. I don't care if you like it or not, don't like it. doesn't matter to me. I'm going to do things my way, and, and I believe very good doing that. Yeah, of course, with what you say there, you, you, you're not entitled today. Most people believe they're not entitled to have their own opinion, their own belief system, their own thoughts. That if you don't, you that's, the, that's where they cancel <laughs> you right out if you, if you disagree, right? I mean, that's the problem a lot of people how are suffering they, with. How can they cancel me out? How can they do something to me that God... Well, you don't let them. You're stronger than most people. You're strong-minded, strong-willed, so you don't let them. But a lot of people don't. They don't follow that same recipe. They, I know they're trying, to, they're trying to make the devil happy, and I understand. And really, I do understand that. Mm. Only 10% of the people wanted the Revolutionary War. Just 
I understand. It just takes a few of us warriors to go up. I'm not saying everybody go to jail. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's going to take a few of us. Trump stood up and won the nation. Folks, Trump came out of nowhere. Yeah. And what he said, we all agree with. It wasn't that we said he heard something new. It wasn't that Trump said something new. Mm-hmm. He was saying what we already in our heart believed. Mm-hmm. He was afraid to say it. And once we saw somebody stand up and say, well, we believe, we said, there's the leader. Yeah. But Trump did not teach us anything. Trump spoke what we believed. And we, if we stand up again under Trump or any other leader, we will win again. We win every time we stand up, mm-hmm. folks. Every Amen. time we stand Amen. up. Mason, Trump's been a little quiet in recent months since that election. Uh, what's your forecast? What do you think is going to happen with him? Um, I'm, I'm still pretty well connected with the campaign. I was a uh, founding mm-hmm. member of Trump's uh, Black Boston Trump Advisory Board. I am meeting with um, some members of the Trump family on the 24th of this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, he puts out emails and messages. Trump is strategizing. Trump is planning. Uh, but Trump needs to know he has an army behind him. So every month we have flag wavings and every, you know, we, we're, 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 we're gathering the troops and just those who want to respond. Uh, we're going to need a whole lot of help in, in witnessing what he has planned. Uh, and it is, it is, it is, I'm, I don't know exactly what it is. I just see the action. Not the words. I'm looking at the actions. I'm looking at people going in the places they're going into, uh, what areas they're looking they're looking at research in, and I think it's going to be great. It's going to be big, and it's, once again, the bold Trump is going to surprise us. But he's going to say things that we're already thinking. You're already thinking this. You're already saying this is a solution. You're already saying this is going to be work, and you're going to have a man that stands up. And you know, the last time I, talk, I spoke to Trump, the last thing I said to Trump in Atlanta. I shook his hand and I said, thank you, Mr. President, for leading us into the second American Revolution. Mm-hmm. And he cocked his head and said, that's what we're doing, isn't it? And I don't mean guns and rifles, so, so don't report it. I'm saying the revolution that is going on now, which you here's going to counter. And it's not going to be riots. We don't do that. It's going to be getting people up to stand up the Constitution and go back and take back the government and become a self-governing nation again. We are not a self-governing nation. We are a, a bunch of, of sheep looking at wolves of sheep clothing trying to devour us. And Donald Trump has not left America. He is planning his, his, his actions, and uh, I am looking forward to it. I cannot wait. I think I know what it is. I'm not going to say it yet. Yeah, yeah. Now, you, you bring up some very good points. And, you know, d- don't let the quietness uh, fool anybody out here. It is a st- strategic. That's exactly it. Yeah. It's build, building a strategy for what's going to happen. You're exactly right. Uh, are we headed to a uh, point of... Uh, uh, well, I would say no return, but are we headed to that uh, moment of friction or revolution in our country? Yeah, we have to decide what we're going to do. Uh, I mentioned that I wear my Trump hat everywhere and never get a response because Democrats don't attack you unless they outnumber you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really cowards. Uh, I, and I see that America's getting tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we allow Joe Biden to steal the election, then we, we've given our country up because we'll never win another election. Uh, we were pushing back. There's some investigations going on, but it doesn't really matter. We, it's gonna, it can't be the government that saves us, folks. You cannot stay comfortably in your home right. and allow the government to save you. So all of us are not meant to go to the front lines. You know, mm-hmm. all not meant to give speeches. You're not meant to, but you know, you know what? 
find a group you support and donate and raise funds for them. Buy the books from the authors. Send a check. I don't want a nonprofit because nonprofit, you, you got to report the donations. I have a company. I got folks that buy my books every quarter. Buy my books and let me give it away to these black folks. That's a business expense. I don't have to give the name away, but you have to support the troops. World War II was not won from Eisenhower. It wasn't won by Patton. It wasn't won by the 101st Airborne in France. It was won by those guerrilla warriors on the ground, behind the lines, below those bridges up. But they needed the ammunition. They needed logistics. They needed support. And you folks in the audience, you're not required to go, but you're required to send. So send us and we'll go for you. Mm, that's uh, perfectly said there. Uh, Reverend Mason Weaver, brother, thank you for uh, joining us here on uh, The Voice of a Nation, and uh, it is a privilege to uh, connect with you. Uh, you and I, I believe, will do some extraordinary things ahead. Uh, I just have a sense and a good feeling about you. Love your spirit. Love everything you bring to uh, the conversation, brother. Um, Appreciate you, that. You speak my language for sure. Uh, now, let me tell folks as well, your book, It's Okay to Leave the Plantation, will absolutely be in the America Out Loud bookstore, and we'll connect you to get that book uh, from uh, Reverend Mason Weaver. You can get that uh, by visiting the store back at americaoutloud.com. Uh, also, the website, leavetheplantation.org, you can check out and find out a lot more. Uh, from Reverend Mason Weaver, uh, and that, that'd be terrific. I encourage you to do that. I'm going to put a link up to the uh, website there, uh, Reverend Weaver, on uh, the America Out Loud, so folks can seek this out and find out more. I mean, listen, you are a voice of authenticity. You're a voice of truth and reason and a voice that should be heard every opportunity we get. I applaud you, sir, and I applaud all the work you're doing there for sure. Well, up next, friends, we're gonna pause here a moment here and get into hour two. Uh, Pierre Wilson, the National Director of Blexit will join us. Uh, and you know, we're exposing, this is, this is called Exposure Day, uh, and this is, we're exposing the playbook of the Marxist left. Uh, and uh, the whole Black Lives Matter movement, all of that business, uh, what's behind it all. We're going to continue that exposure in just a moment here. You're listening to The Voice of a Nation. The heart and soul of a nation beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor, honor, honor. our soul. soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Welcome back to the Voice of a Nation. Uh, we are talking today and exposing, uh, and it needs to be exposed, uh, the playbook of the Marxist left. Uh, the playbook, and we, we've done that. You've heard that right up front of the show here as we've been exposing what they're up to in a lot of these programs and these uh, things they put out, the call for reparations, the Me Too movement, the Occupy Wall Street, Black Lives Matter, uh, and now you see Juneteenth. But you always have to look behind these programs to see what the left is up to because this is what they do well. 
It's a, it's a game of shenanigans that they put out there to entrap people in their lives and to become slaves to government. And, you know, this whole thing about this plantation business, I want to say to you up front, and we were talking about this up front in the uh, program uh, with uh, Reverend Mason Weaver, and I will say this. You know, we're all slaves to government. We're, we're all living a life of slavery at this point. Really, if you think about big government, it doesn't matter what the hell the color of your skin is. It's irrelevant. We're all slaves to big government because we've let them do it. We, we're no longer, we're not fighting as we the people. Uh, we're fighting as their servants. They have become the new master up there. You, bet, you better believe it. And uh, so you, when you ask, is slavery going in debt? I, I can't really answer. I don't think slavery has gone in debt. I think it's probably alive and well here, and we're all become slaves to the government. I think they, they've actually increased the, the tally of this thing. It's not just one group they're after. It's the whole freaking group. You know, think about it, right? I mean, that, that's, uh, that says a lot what I say there, but I, I feel that's the sense. We're, we're losing our grip here or something like that. But, uh, you know, and then we, you know, I talk to you, you know, I've had many conversations on here with Herman Cain, Reverend C.L. Bryant, uh, you, you know, Dr. Carol Swain is on our network. Of course, we talk about these great black conservative voices, patriots, people who passionately care. Gentlemen, I want to introduce you to now, and I'm thrilled to have him on the program here. He, uh, you know, like a lot of folks here, I mean, he at one point was a Democrat, uh, but then again, a lot of folks were. I mean, Dr. Swain was at one point a Democrat here because that's what they do. They grab onto people and then they they uh, they throw all this stuff out there and it, it never is what they promise it's going to be or say. It's just it's. it's uh, it's outrageous what's going on. We gotta we gotta get to the bottom of all of this. Uh, please meet Pierre Wilson is here. He's the national director of Blexit. So we all know Blexit has become a brand upon brands, and that means you know run fast as loud and quick as you can to get the hell away from the Marxist left. Actually, um, now Pierre is, is is said here in his bios everything the left fears. I love that uh, Pierre in uh, when your biography here everything the left fears. Um, and their um, former Democrat tossed aside uh, the victimhood narrative, the one we talk about all the time, and now serves as national director. You've done some amazing things have grown this. We'll get back to that in a moment with Blexit. But your story is quite compelling. Uh, uh, let's bring it up there to 30,000 feet first and just talk about the movement of what's happening in our country right now and how do we get, I mean, I, and what I pose out there just a moment ago, Pierre, uh, I mean, in a sense, when you talk about big government, we're all sort of caught into this slavery mentality right now with the expansion of government and what's happening here. I'm not sure it's got anything to do with the color of our skin. I think it's got to do with our mentality and our brain cycle of how we get caught into this web of deceit. What do you say to that? Well, you know, first, I want to say thank you for having me on. It's definitely an honor and a pleasure uh, to be here. Um, you know, government has become to a lot of people, you know, I like to say they're daddy, right? <laughs> government has become daddy um, to so many different people because people have become dependent on the government to solve all their problems, to be the solution to anything that they face. And that's just not the way government was set up, right? That's not what government was meant to be. Um, and government is enjoying that because the more that they can do, uh, or excuse me, the more control they can have on, over one's life, um, the more crazy things they can implement without people saying a word. I mean, you just look at the recent pandemic, you know, I am a believer that COVID uh, was real, but I'm also a believer that governors and, 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 our, and our federal government overreached, you know, and they, um, they put people through unnecessary things. I mean, why are children around the country staying, still being masked? 
up right now. That's insane. Um, when they're saying they're following the science and the science shows um, that children, you know, are, are, are doing really well uh, during COVID. Um, you look at some of the laws that they're trying to push through in the name of COVID with the stimulus checks and different things to try to continue some of these government programs where people are going to remain dependent. Uh, they're freaking out trying to figure out why nobody wants to get a job right now. Well, who is going to go out and get a job when you guys are going in debt, trying to spin your way out of every problem that we have? I mean, the government, you know, it's just it's interesting, again, because they they're doing so much. And they're trying to control every aspect of everyone's lives. But at the same time, it's destroying our country. Well, government initially was supposed to be, again, being a representative republic. It was just supposed to be a sampling of us, the citizenry, uh, you know, could be you and I or people we know in our show. But, you know, you go to Washington, you serve, but you represent us, just like the electoral college and all these days. They become a representative a government. So it's a, it's kind of a look at it uh, appear as this is a sampling of our people, of we the people. And that sampling of we the people uh, go to Washington to represent us uh, for the good of all. Uh, that's the collective, and that's what it should be, but and not a, a, a program that, you know, that uh, what touches everything that ails us in our life, and that really is what they are doing. What's happening is the power brokers have taken control, and we've gone, we've slipped. Now, would you agree with this uh, question that I put out to you? I, I would almost say to you, Pierre, it seems to me we've gone from a, a representative republic where we the people were in charge to a modern day oligarchy. We now are, we've now fallen into the trap of an oligarchy. Aren't we there already? I agree. I agree. I think that government has, I don't think they see it as they represent us. I think when they get elected, when these people get elected, they go there with their own interests. Uh, they go there with what they believe. Um, they, they, they feel is best. Uh, they don't, I don't think government remembers that they work for us. You know, I think that the concept has seemed to gotten lost. <laughs> well, not only did they forget that here, but the American people, we, the people forgot that. So we not, we're not, in other words, we're not holding them accountable and reminding them that these, they work for us. They, they, we're the, we're, the, let me just, you know, we could, we supposed to control them. They're not supposed to control us. Well, I think you're seeing some of that on the on the conservative side, though. though. I think I think conservatives are pushing back, and obviously, you know, the media has their spin about January sixth. But I think a lot a lot of what you saw on January sixth was majority of the people there were just really, you know, upset with the fact that they didn't feel like their representatives were doing what they were asking them to do. Um, you you see that on the conservative side. On the liberal side is where I think you see more of the issue where people are not holding their representatives accountable. And again, it's that dependent mentality. They look at it like, you know what's best for me. You can take care of everything. And of course, government is going to soak that up and they're going to say, yes, I do know what's best for you and I'm going to take care of everything. So I think I think it's split. And that's what this battle is right now between the left and the right. You have one side that's trying to take back government, save our country. You have another side that is empowering them more and more and more. Uh, and until we can all get on the same page, we're going to continue to see this division. Yeah, uh, let me uh, let's move and talk a little bit about this Black Lives Matter movement. We have experts on our platform on this uh, topic, uh, best-selling authors and others who have uh, talked about this movement that's uh, uh, really grabbed onto the news cycle. I mean, you take Black Lives Matter and Antifa. I mean, these are groups of the left that are utilized 
there was that pretty outrageous story uh, with, uh, and everybody knows this story because it was it was went viral uh, clearly with uh, Mark McCloskey and his wife Patricia, both attorneys, you remember, and uh, they I just seen here just days ago here. Now they had a plea deal, uh, which blew me away that they had a plea deal. I thought these two attorneys were going to fight this thing tooth and nail, and I was surprised. Uh, that they did have this plea deal and they had to give up their guns and pay fines and all of that. And they were just really uh, protecting their own property and all that when Black Lives Matter came into their area and they felt was ready to ransack their environment, their house. Uh, that story was pretty wild. What do you make of what we do know about this, the, the, the plea deal and the fact that they're paying the fines and all that? Now, after that, they say they're going to go buy more guns and all, but I don't know, the story just doesn't make sense to me if they were protecting their own personal property, why would they have to pay any fine? And why would they plea deal anything? I don't understand it. Do you? I, I don't get it either. You know, I did read a little bit more about this case and, you know, I, from what it sounds like, um, you know, they, he described it as kind of a non event, you know, a classy misdemeanor um, fine. He said, he, he, you know, and this is Mr. Matlowski. He said it's, it was just more of, face saving for the prosecution's office. And I guess they decided to just go along with it because um, they weren't going to lose their license or anything like that. Um, and then I saw a picture of him actually yesterday where he um, went out to go buy another gun. So, um, you know, so it looks like they, they felt like to get this over with, they were just going to go ahead and, um, you know, you know, I guess let the office save face, but personally, I agree. I mean, I wouldn't have let, the office save face mm. at all. I, I think mm. they should have stood up for what they, um, I think they should have stood up for themselves yeah. and I yeah. should have said, no, you know, we're not going to, we don't, we're going to fight this tooth and nail. Um, again, I get the whole idea of like just wanting to let it go, get it done with, and then go out right. and get it done and that be that. But I think it was bigger uh, than that. I think it was the message they could have sent if they did stand and continue to fight. So I do think they kind of took the, you know, the easy road when this was a chance for them yeah. to really send. You know, it, it's easy for us to judge others and, but we're not walking in their shoes. Are we here? You know, is what you're saying. Kind of, we're not really, right. right. We can't really know. And the, I, the other thing that comes to my mind is, you know, they might've looked at it as, well, we might lose this battle, but we'll win the war. You know how you have to make those strategic decisions in your life to win. Right. Right. And you, you might lose a battle, but it didn't mean you lost the war. Now, there is a PR part of this that annoyed the hell out of me, as it just did you, as you just stated. Why would they do that from a philosophical standpoint and a principle-driven point, if you're principally-driven people? But on the other hand here, the system overwhelms you. And let's face it, the state and and the the area they're in that that region was all very heavy democrat controlled and these folks came out and said that uh they they you know they would keep fighting them and they they in fact i remember some of the threats they put out there against mccloskey's uh, were pretty strong so i think yeah. that all probably factored into it but that's what they do don't they is they overwhelm you they threaten you they ridicule you they do everything they can to embarrass the hell out of you and to pull you down to make an example of you in that kind of way they the left won the battle of that one it seems to me i agree I agree. And that, that's why I think they also should have fought a little bit harder um, on that, because I think it just sends the wrong message uh, when it's given like that. I agree.
Well, as attorneys, I'm sure they looked at probably <laughs> the whole state. I, I mean, listen, I, I can think of that here as attorneys thinking about people they talk to their own clientele. And I could you could see them in a room actually saying to us, well, do you want to fight this? It's going to cost X, Y, Z. Or do we kind of give in and just go the other way and take the payoff and we'll come back another day to fight? You know, attorneys have that conversation all the time. You know that. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm sure that's what happened here. They probably did that and sized it up and said, all right, Let's talk about from that. I, I love, would love to have your assessment, your honest with the reality of how, how you feel about Black Lives Matter. Um, what, what are your thoughts about seeing this around the country, what they're up to, what the movement is? Uh, put this in size and scope for us here, please. You know, I'm not a fan of Black Lives Matter. And I think you're starting to see some of the inner turmoil that, um, uh, that, that everybody saw. Uh, coming, you know, at least on the right that we saw coming, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a mess. They are an organization that was never really about actual change. They were uh, arm of a democratic party. Uh, you look at some of the donations and the suspicions that their donations raised look like it was going to Act Blue, which really supports um, Democrats. Um, you know, it just seems. It just seems to me that they're now starting to get called out for exactly who they are. You just saw some of the big, some of the moms of some of these, uh, you know, uh, the, some of the, some of the, the kids or uh, some of these people are grown men who moms who have lost their child and Black Lives Matter obviously came out, spoke about it, yada, yada. Um, these moms are now hitting back at Black Lives Matter and they're saying, you know, you never you didn't do anything for us besides come here and. And, and raise the profile for yourselves. You know, you didn't help us out and they're now going public. And I'm glad to see these moms speaking up because that's really what Black Lives Matter is about. You know, with Blexit, we are actually on the ground. Uh, we partner with different organizations at times um, to push along the, the, you know, the community and minority America. And Black Lives Matter is never there. I mean, we, we have actually at one point reached out to them in the past to try to help bridge that gap, see where we can connect. They really don't have any on the ground operations like that. Uh, they don't their chapters don't really do a ton of work. Uh, I, the, the organization is just a sham. It's a sham. They were collecting money uh, mainly for their leaders. You just saw their founder. Boy, I think she went on a buying spree of houses and then she. I, I wanted to talk to you about that. That's Patricia Colors, <laughs> yeah. right? Patricia Colors. Yep. Is her name? Yeah. Patricia She's got like Colors. four luxury mansions and all kinds of stuff. Where's she getting all that money from? Is it the organization or what? Uh, we know where she's getting it from. She's getting it from the organization. I mean, she's gotten rich off of Black Lives Matter. And that's that's a shame. That's a shame because, again, her, the chapters have have signed um, have signed, you know, pledges and different things saying they're not seeing any of that money, mm -hmm. any of that money. So, you know, I think people are now starting to see what we're saying. And then when you look at the things they stood for. Right. right they stand for things such as like destroying the family unit. They don't they don't believe they don't believe in the family unit. Um, they really don't believe in. Um, in, in school choice, and you're talking about Black Lives Matter. Well, how about school choice? How about getting kids into schools in these neighborhoods into better schools so they can have a better education? You know, they don't really they don't advocate for that. To me, they just advocate for violence and destruction and chaos. And there's nothing good, in my opinion, that has come from Black Lives Matter. But yet, but yet they get the attention of the media, and the media pushes them and celebrates them like they're a real movement. And you know, the thing is, Pierre, is this whole, again, the trickery of the left, when we talk about exposing them, 
you know, when you come up with a name like Black Lives Matter and then you play all these mind games on people and then like I'm thinking back to some people who say, well, no, um, all lives matter. So, well, you can't say that. You're a racist SOB. You can't say that. I say, well, whose lives matter? Hispanic lives matter? White lives matter? Anybody? No, you're, that's racist. You can't say that. You can only say Black Lives Matter or you're a racist bastard. And I hear that all the time from people. But see, isn't that part of what we need to expose to the left is the trickery of the English language? How, it's like Me Too. It's like Occupy Wall Street. It's like all these programs they come out with are just rubbish. They come out with them and they don't do anything except seize the power. Isn't that part of the playbook we need to expose here? Yeah, I think that is part of the playbook for sure that we need to expose. I think that we need to actually, I think, I think it's going to take conservatives though coming together more. Um, you know, well, they right don't now, do that. Now, let me, let me push something back on you. See, you just bring up a great point. They're not coming together. The left is really, really good, Pierre, at uniting. These people mm -hmm. unite to do all kinds of stuff. I mean, they really do. And, they, and you know, not only do they unite, but they always have each other's back. They support each other. They lie together. They, these, they're unbelievable, the Marxist left is. Now, the right, they can't seem to line up in a freaking parade to come down Main Street and not screw it up. I mean, what is it about the right that they, we can't seem to get people that they ever, the right seems to be in silos. They work in silos. And it's like, hooray for me and the hell with you. Why is that, brother? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a. I think it's an issue that the left is certainly exposing about us too. I don't. I don't know what has caused um, the right to be in this manner. I know the left. Again, I think I can tell you for minority America. I can tell you the left has done a really great job of making everyone seem like a monopoly. Right? Like we have to all be. Everybody had to be together. Everybody had to work together. Everybody had to think alike. You know. Um, I think the right. We're more, we're obviously about freedom, free choice, you know that kind of stuff. About uh, we have a freedom mentality, and I think sometimes that <laughs> we you you see that in our in our in our stances and how we feel. I mean, all conservatives are not all the same. Sometimes we have some differences, but I think that in situations like this, we need to recognize when we need to come together for the for the greater good of America as a whole because we are more we are stronger united. Um, it is harder to fight the left when they have an organized machine. I do think the GOP has a leadership problem as well. You know, I think that's a whole nother story. <laughs> I do think we need to kind of get a, get some new leaders in there. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely something that's worth looking into more. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and how do we unite these people under a cause? I wonder one day, Pierre, if it's going to take the complete, I mean, we're seeing our liberties crumbling by the hour and you wonder almost what's it going to take to get people engaged. A lot of people, just like a sports game, I mean, they're on the sidelines. They're not involved in the game. They leave it to others. They're, you know, they're not, um, they're, they're not understanding the gravity of what we're losing here with this, with our country, uh, with, with our uh, republic. And it, it's scary for our kids when we talk about kids. Uh, in our children and our grandchildren. It's very scary what's happening, how we're going to leave this generation. We're in some very weird times right now in our country. What is you, you, you've come through, and I want to talk ahead here. You've got a remarkable story yourself, how you came from the left and what you came through in your life and became really, a, I think, a powerhouse in Blexit and your family, you and your wife and your child. I mean, I, I just love your story. It is, it is the American dream and what, where you're at. And 
I, I, I'm guessing, I really first time talking to you, but you're probably at an incredible point of your life. I mean, you, you got to be really, I mean, I don't know if you've said this to yourself recently, but you've got to be excited about what you've done and you, you've got to be feeling like you're accomplishing something, even though I know we all push ourselves to the extreme every day, people like you and I who want to create a better world, right? You know, I mean, yeah, we, we push ourselves to the, to the extreme measures, but you know, I, I mean, I get all that, but when you look at our country as a whole, how concerned are you? How we, how, let me, how weird are things right now? Do you, uh, is this normal what's happening in our country right now? Or what is your God's sense in your soul to what's taking place in America right now? Well, you know what I, I actually did? I talked to my, I actually asked my father-in-law this question because he, um, you know, obviously had been around longer than me. And I, you know, I said, I feel like things are really, you know, really bad right now. I think, you know, I think the country is heading in the wrong direction, but I wanted to get his wisdom. My father-in-law was a great man. He's a, um, you know, man of great character. And I, you know, I really value his opinion. So I asked him that question. I said, you know, what do you think uh, about today? Like, how do you feel? And he, he, he said quickly, he said, the more morals are out the window today. People, there are no morals anymore. This is the worst that he has seen. And, and that kind of, for me, confirmed what I had felt because I'm obviously a student of history and things too. And I felt like this was getting pretty bad. I think you're seeing a world right now where um, you're seeing a godless country, right? You're seeing a country that has rejected the idea of God. I think I just read a survey where they said more adults um, for the first time don't go to church uh, I, I, I watched, I didn't watch the full thing. I couldn't, but I saw a TikTok of a young lady who was, who was pregnant and she, um, looked like she was sad. And then like, she, it was supposed to be some type of funny thing. She looked like she was sad. Two seconds later, she grabs a drink and she starts to celebrate. And she says, I'm going to kill it. I can't wait to kill it. And she's like, I'm going to throw a party. And she got millions of views, people laughing and having a good time. This is a baby we're talking about here. I mean, you're seeing a, you're seeing a, uh, a country that is literally headed over a cliff. And I think, again, when you have people who don't have any morals, who don't really care about right and wrong anymore, it is easier for the left to implement all their socialist, crazy, um, you know, uh, liberal agenda uh, because people don't really have a sense of, you know, of morals of saving the country. They don't care about any of that right now. They just care about having a good time. So as long as the left looks at it like, hey, as long as we continue to, ha- uh, to have them, you know, out there having a good time, dancing in circles, we can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're saying right now. Yeah, you are. It's the breakdown of society. It's our cultural fabric that is tearing apart is what you're suggesting, Pierre. And it's perfectly said. Uh, and we all sense that right now. And then again, what COVID did is it, it, it put the government on steroids and then they really controlled and seized more of people's lives. And a lot of people, they become dependent upon the system, not really understanding that uh, your liberties are, they're in decline. Uh, they're in decline. So the question is, how do we wake we the people up? Now you do that yourself as a leader, director of Blexit and what you've been trying to do to get people to understand what the Marxist left is up to. You have a very unique story and, uh, and I understand it's called the red pill story. And I, I do want to talk about that because there was, I love this. Re- is that a term you came up with, the red pill story? No, I actually got it from Candace. Uh, Candace, because when typically when someone converts from 
Democrat to a conservative, a lot of times we refer to as they took the red pill. So, oh, okay. So that, that's actually something she had come up with. Candid. I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, and so, but you had your own red pill moments and I, I will talk about that in a moment, but I, I think that's just, I also want to tell listeners, I love your website uh, and, uh, and I'll tell people more about that. The message on there is, is perfect because and, I, and I'm going to share this right when we get back. The headline on this site, when you come to it, said minimal. I love minimalistic sites that just have a clear message without a lot of garbage on it. And this one is really well done. And the message at the top is three words, people. Three words. And boy, they're profound. And these three words speak to me in a big way. And they're going to speak to you as well. And I'll tell you what those three words are just on the other side of the pause here as we take a pause here. Uh, you're listening to The Voice of the Nation. Listen to Malcolm, The Voice of a Nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Each of us is born with 30 trillion cells that make us. These cells determine how we feel, perform, sleep, focus, and how long we live. And to live our best life, all we have to do is feed ourselves. But most food and supplements don't reach our cells, keeping us from reaching our full potential. Make every cell count with Healthy Cell. Founded with a mission to empower people to take control of their own health at the most fundamental level, Dr. Vincent Jampapa, world-renowned cell researcher and medical doctor, created supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. And that's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L. And use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. AmericaOutloud.com. Simply put, we're patriots who believe in Ronald Reagan's vision of a shining city on a hill. From sea to shining sea, you can listen in on iHeartRadio. Our free apps are on Apple, Android, or Alexa, or our world-class media player. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at libertyatamericaoutloud.com. Libertyatamericaoutloud.com. So we, we are joining you back here on The Voice of a Nation here. Speaking to Pierre Wilson, he's the National Director of Blexit. Uh, he's done an incredible job. We'll talk about his red pill story in a moment. He was just telling us about that. It's a concept that I guess Candace Owens had come up with. Uh, that w- there's a red pill moment where you wake up and you realize, oh, oh wow, I could have had a V8. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Dems are not out for the real people. I mean, they're not uh, certainly not out for black America. They're not out for what what they're out is for the elites. They're, they're, that's why their version of socialism, uh, a.k.a. communism, the, the Marxist theory is what they're after. That is, that is their game plan. That's the elites and the rest of us. I would fall into the rest of us like you out there and like Pierre Wilson would as well. And we're speaking to Pierre today here. 
uh, uh, terrific to have you on, Pierre. I want to talk to you right now about your site. We'll get into your red pill moment here. And on your site, the three words I promised people we tell them about, and here they are, I am free. I am free. That's the headline at the top of that site, PierreWilson.com. And if you go to about, you'll see exactly that I am free. And he says, family, it is a word that once carried so much respect, but for so many reasons has been under attack in today's world. Not in his household. In his household, family and faith is the foundation of what guides them. And that is the beat to the drum and oxygen to his lungs. His family life was not always happy, though. Here is a piece of his story. So I want to turn it to you, Pierre, and talk to you. So I love the photograph there of you and your wife and your, and your little one there, your daughter. It's just truly a terrific image, and the site is remarkable, uh, PierreWilson.com. You'll see what I'm speaking about now if you go to the About tab. Uh, tell us about that story and your red pill moment, please. Yeah, so I actually, you know, and I, you know, my red pill moment was interesting. I just, I had a Freedom Fest event this past weekend and I, you know, I talked about it there as well. And it's, it's something that it's, it's no matter how many times I talk about it, it's still so near and dear to my heart because I, I know a lot of people struggle with exactly what I went through. So I always say, you know, it's, you know, when I was younger, one of the moments where, you know, I realized I was different. I, obviously my family was hardcore Democrats. They were uh, left-leaning, like a lot of black Americans. Um, I wrote a paper at the time about, um, who then on to become President Bush, but at the time he was Governor Bush, George W. Bush. And uh, my teacher, I remember she said, you know, hey, the election's coming up. I want you guys to go and write about either one of the candidates, pick one that you feel is more interesting and then try to explain why I keep it based around the facts. So again, I did my research on both. I had gotten drawn to uh, George W. Bush and you know, I wrote the paper. I was really proud of it. I put my heart and soul into it and I went and I showed my mom and I'm thinking she's going to read it and uh, it'd be like, oh, this is this is really good. Nope. Like a little bit halfway down, hadn't even got through the paper at all. She goes, we don't support, you know, President Bush and his family or we don't support Governor Bush and his family. You know, he's racist and um, Republicans are racist and we don't we don't support him and his family. They don't care about black people. Um, how would you look if you turned in this paper? You know, this is not something that I, I, I support. And she gave me the paperback. And I, you know, <laughs> I was shocked. I it did not go how I expected. Uh, I had to go back and I rewrote the paper. I turned the paper and I did end up getting a good grade on the paper, but something still didn't feel right uh, because the man that I had researched at the time, I didn't really come across anything that felt racist to me, you know? So I, but I, you know, I'm like, this is my mom and she knows best. So that's that. And I let it go. Um, you know, fast forward a few years in college, I remember there was an election between Senator and then Senator Hillary Clinton and um, Senator Barack Obama. And obviously I'm still a Democrat. So I'm, I'm there hosting this forum about which candidate you're going to support. I'm in the room with largely minorities at the time, and everybody was showing support for um, Senator Obama. And uh, I hadn't I hadn't decided who I was going to vote for. I still wanted to do more research on candidates. And I remember they, they gave me the mic and I said, you know, I don't know yet. I'm not sure who I'm voting for. I still want to do some research. I got an immediate like reaction from the audience of just disgust and dismay and disbelief and you know one girl actually took the mic after me and she said she was like how could you be black and not support barack obama and i'm just sitting there like 
easily. I mean, I don't him being black is not enough for me to vote for him. That's not enough for me to vote for someone. I, I need more than that. But that was for me moment two really in my life where I really realized that again, something about me is different. Well, you fast forward a few more years, moment three and the, and the main moment came when I was up late one night and I, you know, I was, uh, I don't know how I came across Candace's video, but there was a video of her in front of the White House. She had this megaphone and just surrounded. She was surrounded by a sea of minority Americans and MAGA hats. And I just thought, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you right now. I just thought, what kind of foolishness is this? You know, what kind of craziness is this? And I, I hit play expecting to get a laugh and, and, and call these people crazy. Well, quite the opposite happened. After I hit play, I couldn't. I couldn't stop listening. I couldn't stop hearing what she was saying. She was talking about the single motherhood rate in the black community. She was talking about the high rate of black on black crime. She was talking about the education system, the welfare state. And I'm writing these things down like, oh, she has to be lying. This isn't true. You know, so then I go and I research these things and point after point after point comes back and she is correct. Mm -hmm. So then I get upset because I'm like, why? You know, why was this never explained to me in this manner? Not my, my, my family, not friends, not my teachers, not my college professors. No one ever gave it to me from this manner. Why, why didn't anyone just give me all the facts and let me make my own choice? I look back and I felt like I was being indoctrinated. Like I was literally being taught to think one way. No one ever gave me the full picture. Again, the education system where we're supposed to trust that this is where we're learning everything just that is fact-based and we're making our own choice. That's not what happened. I had been manipulated my entire life. So it really made me upset. It led me on this fact-finding mission where I found more information. And I realized very quickly that I held strong conservative values. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, you, you fast forward again, a couple months, I decided to speak out about this because I said, I don't want, people to be lost i want people to hear the full truth and then make their own choice it's not about turning a democrat to a republican or public it's about giving people the chance to make their own choice with all the facts right and that is what the left is scared of because they know if all the facts are laid out on the table they are going to lose a lot of people the right isn't afraid of that the right is like lay it out you know and that's the one thing i learned too the right is like lay out the facts let's lay it out the, the left doesn't want that because, again, the truth is not pretty on their side. The Democrats are the party of the KKK. OK, the Democrats fought against slavery. They fought against women's rights for a long time. They fought against all these things that they're claiming credit for today. Right. They've created the welfare state. They've they have control. Excuse me. They have control of black America. They've had control of black America for decades. You talk about our mayors, our city councilmen, our school board. It doesn't matter who the president is. Democrats have controlled black cities, local areas for decades. That's where a lot of the main decisions are happening. They are responsible for why a lot of people are kept behind. They don't want you to know that, though. They want you to think the right is to blame for everything. So I am on a mission today to make sure that people hear the truth. I'm on a mission today through Blexit as well to make sure that people have the facts and then they can make their own choice. And that is why you're seeing this mass exit from the left. Uh, that is so well said. What a great story, uh, really, Pierre. And the way you discovered it yourself, that's a hell of a red pill moment. I love that uh, issue, put it out there. So when you say the mission you're on right now, what kind of success metrics are we having in our country right now 
to get people like when you came when you came to the reality of that moment why do we lose so many in this that you know when you look at the amount of people in black america for instance who do vote to the left they have not seen the reality of the results or the checklist that you looked at yet how do we, and I guess that's your job, what you're doing, or you've taken it upon yourself, your mission in life is to get people to understand the truth. How, will, will we see a day where the left no longer controls black America? I think we're getting there. You know, I, I like to look, and obviously black is a 501c3 nonprofit, so we don't, we don't necessarily advocate for one, for one candidate or the other, but I want people to see the last election. Obviously, I know a lot of conservatives are very upset with how it turned out. But if you look at the percentage of the black vote, mind you, they were calling President Trump the most racist man in America. Oh, I, mean, yeah. I had oh, yeah. seen a president get attacked like this in a long time. He increased the black vote. Even well, how much did he do it? Because in, in the first election in 2016, when he ran against Hillary, I believe, wasn't it around 12 percent that? Or, no, it wasn't that. It was less than that, it actually, wasn't it? Yeah, it was about I think he was sitting right around about seven, eight percent. I was going to say nine, but OK, could be seven, eight. It was under 10. You're right. Any idea yeah. what 2020 ended up being the final number? So I believe he sat around uh, in, in 2020, I believe he sat somewhere between 12 and 13. And That's where I got the 12 number from. That was yeah. what, okay. But what, but, but listen, uh, when that happened and they were predicting that I thought for sure we'd get, and I was really encouraged with black America. I thought our brothers and sisters, I thought I expected to get up well over 25%. Why didn't we make a bigger leap in that election in 2020? Well, when you really break down those numbers and you look at black men, black men, his vote doubled with black men. So I think, I think it's just a little bit of an increase between black men and black women. I think we still see with black women, we see the, 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 the whole pro-life um, and pro-choice thing really affecting the, the vote, right? Um, women are being pushed into this corner where if a man or someone else speaks up and they say, we want, you know, pro-life, they're somehow taking away women's rights. Like the, the left has spent abortion and killing babies into a uh, a, a woman's cause champion women's causes like so i think there's still more work to be done but i do want to say that this is going to take time i have i have warned conservatives right that this is something that is going to take time it will not happen over one election the democrats have spent decades in the black community they have spent a lot of time manipulating the black community this is not something that we're going to undo that quickly but i do think people should look at that last election even with even with president trump losing and see the fact that he lost an election so they say he lost the election but increased the black vote even if it was by four or five percent in a country where they were labeling him the most racist man in america imagine if he got fair coverage Imagine if he had yep. gotten fair media coverage. Yep. They were pounding this racist narrative down our throats every single day. By all, by all, he should have he should have technically lost some of the black vote when you think about it. With the way that they were going after him, he should have had one of the lowest percentages of the black vote when you think about it. But he increased it. So I'm just saying, you know, we have a chance at a fair election with people, or at least fair coverage. We could do wonders, but we know we're not going to get that. We're not going to get fair coverage. So, yeah. Right. Which is why we're working so hard on the ground to make sure that we do it without the media narrative in England. Yeah. The story here is the media narrative, isn't it, Pierre? I mean, that's that's that is the story here. The the false information that's put out consistently, the drumbeat and lies of negativity that are aren't they really brainwashing people? 
They are. I mean, it's not even <laughs> it's not even a, 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 a theory or whatever. It's, it's facts. Like I just I had a chance to be part of a massive rally last year. We planned a huge rally in D.C., didn't burn down a building, didn't destroy a structure. It was a back. <laughs> we did it professionally and did it the right way. Right. Um, anyway, we watched the news coverage after. And mind you, I was part of the I was in the circle planning down to the, to the smallest detail. I was part of those decisions. I watched the media turn around and say that we pay people to come. Again, mind you, I am the one in that circle helping make these decisions. And if anyone was going anyone was gonna get paid, I would have had to help make that call. So I sat here and I watched the media lie personally, lie on something that I just helped plan. That's why I said no one can tell me that the media is not biased. They didn't even want to believe that blacks could pull together two thousand minorities in a little over two weeks. They didn't want to believe that. They said, Oh, there's no way that they pay people. And they ran that story across all these major networks that we paid people to come. And I couldn't believe it. You could you knew the truth. You knew the truth and you knew they were lying. Yeah, I knew the truth. I mean, it's one thing when you're like, oh, they're lying, but you really weren't part of the circle and you really weren't in the room to make the decision. But you have a good feeling. It's another thing where you were the one making the decisions Mm -hmm. and they're saying that you did something when you know for a fact you didn't do. You know, and and that's when I said it's no no way in the world that no one could tell me now that the media doesn't lie when I am now personally I have now personally had, a, had an experience. Right. With, right. Pierre, you know, do you have any idea why the media is so freaking corrupt? I mean, you look at the people that are running these medias and they're in bail with the Democratic Party. I, again, the Democrats have done a great job at at, at attacking Every major institution. I mean, they have our college campuses. They have the media. They have they have they have Hollywood. So they have our culture. They have everything. They realized before conservatives. This is the one thing conservatives did wrong. We let we let them take over all these institutions for a, a long time without a fight. And now we're realizing, like, oh my goodness, this is not <laughs> this is not good. We got to take this stuff back. But we let them. For years, we let them come into these institutions and take over, and we did not fight back. So I do think conservatives were a little too slow to, you know, to pull the trigger on fighting back for culture and all these things. But we're doing it now. We're fighting back now. But again, it's going to take work because now we're starting from the bottom up. But the Democrats were smart. I will give them this. I can't. Their policies are horrible, but they are they are smart when it comes to marketing and uniting, like we talked about earlier, and uniting and getting their message out. And we have to get better as conservatives at that. Yeah, I mean, it is, you're so right. Everything you say there is perfect. I mean, this is a fight of good and evil. And, you know, what I'm thinking about is you just say the point you say, Pierre, why is the evil, why are they so good at packaging and marketing? Because they are so good at all of that, the left, the extreme left, the Marxist left. And yet the fight of good and like you and I and the fight that we represent here, it seems like our voices, we can't get the, like you just a moment ago, you said the media, we can't get the support of the media. We can't get the support of any of the the oligarchs are all corrupt. They're in bed with the Marxist left. And this is what's drowning out society, because a lot of people are living lives. They don't follow every detail like we do. And like you, when you had the red pill moment and you finally seen that video and you went through the checklist, you said, oh, my golly, you said to yourself, we're I'm screwed. You know, what, what yep. am I doing here? I, I, I'm, I'm attached to a Marxist bunch of jackasses. I mean, how do I get away from this group? I mean, am, am I am I kidding with anything I say there? I mean, you you there was that was a V eight moment for you, isn't it? I mean, I was yeah. like, right? 
Yeah, it was. And I just to answer the original part. I think part of the reason why the media is not is not backing us is because again we're we're starting from the bottom up. We we let too much time pass where now these people are in bed with the Democrats. We are now trying to it's easier when it's like, you know, everybody's fighting for a neutral um, a neutral uh, neutral person or a neutral no but we've literally let democrats take control and now we're saying oh we need to have fair coverage again the republicans blame should be lied at the feet of republicans as well because they didn't do a good enough job of fighting um again for these institutions especially the education system did not do a good enough job okay um and i i think it's important to note that because republicans aren't perfect I think that they're learning that now, right? You're seeing some change, but it is going to take more work because we've already let it go for so long. So until we start really rooting out some of these people that are in media, which will be hard to do, um, we're going to continue to see unfair media coverage for a long time to come. And we have to find different ways to get our message out, which is going to mainly be around the grassroots. We need to continue to build our grassroots and Blex is doing that. The other thing is we also are building, we're also fighting back um, for the culture in our own spaces, which is why we host what's called like Blex and Liberation rallies. If you ever attend one of our rallies, they're up they're fun. We have a dynamic group of speakers. We bring out a, a diverse audience and it's it's a good time. But we're also pushing the, a message in a way that liberal America is not doing. OK, it's great to go up and show up with your three piece suit and, and give your speech and all that. But at the end of the day, Democrats are pushing it through culture and we have to fight back there as well. It is not enough to go out and give a speech mm. and lay out values. It's not enough. We think it should be enough. I know how concern, a lot of conservatives think we, we're based around the facts mm. uh, and, we, and, we, and we're logical thinkers. And we, should, we, we think laying out the facts should be enough. Unfortunately, though, that isn't enough, especially in minority America. They have gone through entertainment and they've gone through culture. And that is what we have to do to be able to get our message out in some ways, too. So I just think it needs to be create. We need to be creative. You know, I think we need to continue to be creative. And we need to fight back in different ways. Well, you're doing it, Pierre. You're doing it. And you you are to be commended. And I take a moment to tell you here to celebrate the work you're doing. You've had tremendous growth and you can see your passion and everything you're saying. You're doing it. You're so right with what you talk about with the grassroots movement and what it takes. Uh, and I love what you put out there right now. No excuses. There's no excuses you have. There's no phone. I mean, it's sincere. And you're saying, you know, OK, we got the media over here. We know they're Marxists. We're not going to sit and cry about it. They're, we're not going to change them either. So the way to get around that is to do what we're doing, which is grassroots. Get it out to the people. Uh, talk to the various groups and uh, make a change. You, you, you continue to see progress. You, you think there will be one day in our lives where we will have made the ultimate difference and... Uh, uh, God, wouldn't it be so good one day, uh, my peer, if we, you and I are talking on air somewhere and we said, well, how much did uh, in that last election, Pierre, and I asked you the question, how much again did we get of the black American vote that voted for the new the Republican candidate? And you would say to me, well, Malcolm, they got 57 percent. I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> Am I, I right or wrong? I think I, it would be fantastic. And I think we're going to see that day. I do. I think we're going to see it. I think we need to continue to do the work that we're doing right now on the ground. Um, I think that it may, listen, it may be my kids. It may be my kids who, um, where it's, it's, you know, when they're out there on the streets advocating or whatever. But, but it, I, I think we're going to see that day for sure. 
um, you know, again, what we've started to build, they can't undo. They've tried to cancel Candace. They tried to cancel Blade. They've tried to cancel me. Um, they can't cancel us because we understand mm -hmm. what it's like to be on that side. That's the one thing that makes us unique. And that's why in my bio, you read that I'm one of the things the left fears. They fear someone who has previously been a Democrat because we know the game. We know we know exactly what you're doing. We know your playbook. We know the emotional manipulation that you're going to try. To, we know it all. So we a lot of times we can call it out right away. So it gets really difficult to counteract our, our messages. It's hard to call us racist. You know, you're going to call us racist. We're black. We're racist. We hate ourselves. So what are you saying? You know, it's hard to do that. Um, they try, but it's hard. It doesn't stick as well. I mean, it's just a unique challenge to see more minority Americans rising up, calling themselves conservatives. It is presenting a unique challenge. And that's why you see the left pushing for this, these immigration laws, right? Because I think that they do see long term that the black vote is starting to erode mm -hmm. a bit. And I think that they have to make sure that they have their new base of voters ready to go. You're you know, right. So you're right. You're seeing this push for immigration um, because of that. So, yeah, yeah, you're seeing that's it. You're seeing the erosion of the uh, illegal immigration problem. Uh, Pierre, your website again, I just realized there's a, a, the address. So make sure this is right. I think there's an N in there for your middle. And is that correct? OK, yeah, I just recognized you just this moment. Let me give the proper. Oh, well, that's important, isn't it? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mean, if we miss one letter, they can miss the whole thing. Now, we'll put links of this when the show does go to podcast. But as you're hearing this on talk radio, right now it would be uh, peer p-i-e-r-r-e-n wilson.com peer and wilson.com is where you find all this good stuff and what a beautiful site uh, i bet you did you create the site or your wife my wife actually helped with i that. knew it i knew it i knew it i just had a feeling i knew she had her hands in there you tell the shell did it then i could tell by looking at it it has a beautiful touch it's a minimalistic look and uh, I just had a gut feeling. I don't know why. But uh, Pierre, you are a delight. And your moment of truth is so important. And we're so thrilled to have you as a new friend here on the network and the program. And thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Pierre Wilson. Uh, wow. National Director of Blexit. And what a great voice. Uh, what a great voice and a great message and a mission. And again, him sharing his red pill moment with us. Uh, and it's so important what he says there uh, because he really gets into, you know, what he is. Well, what I call, uh, you know, uh, truth be told, what I call the come to Jesus moment in our lives when you kind of say, oh, <laughs> again, I could have had a V8 <laughs> uh, or I could have had a real life, you know, which is like understand what it is to be a patriot and uh, get away from the Marxist left and love our country. His story is is amazing. Uh, he and his wife, his beautiful family, uh, his website. I encourage you to check him out a little bit and see. I'm very encouraged with what I see here uh, with Pierre Wilson, uh, for sure. Um, and I think he's going to be a factor moving forward. It's people like this who are going to help us make the ultimate difference, really, and going to help uh, grassroots. As he pointed out so well, the recipe, and I love this, you know, he's the kind of guy, rather than just sit here and complain, we're not interested in just complaining. We're interested in making a difference. And if we're going to make a difference, we got to have a game plan to do that. He knows that. I mean, that's why he's so successful with grassroots. And we got to hit back. And to hit back means we can't tolerate the, the intolerable. We can't tolerate the Marxist mission and the marching orders of big government and what they're trying to do here. 
And he, he said another great point he made. I love that, people, when he said, you know, Malcolm, part of the, what they're doing, the reason we're having these immigration problems right now is they know that, and, and this was a big moment here, that in a matter of years, we, I don't know how many years, I just hope it's in our lifetime pretty quick here, people, is what I'm praying for. He, and he also said, he, it's not going to happen overnight. He's right. I mean, they've spent a lifetime creating these wedges between our Constitution and the American people and through Black America, Hispanic America, Asian America. They're even trying the Asian hate right now, right? Using COVID as Asian hate. They're trying to do the same thing with the Asian community they've done with Black America and the Hispanic America with immigration. And it's the same same garbage. But as he pointed out, they're, yeah, well, they're using illegal immigration as the new source of voters. Why? Well, because they know that they're going to lose a black America at some point. And I, and he laughed when I said, you know, he and I having a future conversation, God, I'd pay money for this one. People I'd pay money for this being in a conversation in the future with Pierre Wilson and Malcolm out We're sitting talking and chewing the fat here on talk radio. And I say, Pierre, so what was the number in their last election? He says, Oh, Malcolm. Well, we took 57%. Wow. <laughs> he laughed like hell with that, but you know, it's not really a laughing moment, is it? If we pull that off, can you imagine? Wow, that would be a success metric that would tell the story. And then we would have turned back the tide. And, and that really is a come to Jesus moment right there. Well, we've turned the lights on. We've turned the lights on in our nation. And we've seen the cockroaches run like hell. Oh, wow. That's a moment I'd pay for. I'd pay, I'd buy a ticket to admission for that one. And I'd certainly invite uh, Pierre on to talk about that and his lovely wife as well, Michelle, and talk about exactly that moment. But that's what we need is people like this that are that are pushing back, that are not going to tolerate it and say, no, we had enough. And pointing out the fact that we're all God-loving patriots. We love our country. We love our nation. We love our constitution. And we have conservative values. We don't expect government to do everything for us. We don't want them to do everything for us. We're very capable of doing it ourselves. Thank you very much. And we know anytime there's a handout, it's not a, we, we don't need a handout. It's a hand up for those people who legitimately need it. But this handout business, uh, it, it comes with, a, it's a payoff. It's a buyout. It's where they own part of your life. We become their slaves. Absolutely. hundred percent. I don't think, like I said earlier, it's not a matter of the color of our skin. It's, it's the mentality of our brains. That's what it is. It's, it's, it, we're not this the racism stuff uh, you know conservatives patriots we get this we, we we're, we're, we're so down far the boulevard here we're not interested in any part of that business at all it's, it's garbage it's rubbish god created all men equal we know that it is the content of our character that's not not a blessed thing to do with the skin color that's just the beauty of a diverse nation it's what makes america america i wouldn't have it any other way people Hell, I wouldn't live anywhere else. This is the diverse nation. This is the beauty of our country. Let's all, let's expose that for what it is. We love all people. It's a, we love Asians. We love black America, Hispanic America, white America, Jewish America, all America. All of, the only America we have a problem with is Marxists. We're not interested in Marxism. Does that make sense? That's your asset makes sense. And we're not letting that fight go anytime soon. Big thank you up front in the program here. It was a joy to have on there Reverend Mason Weaver, the former Black Panther there. He's a great voice. Talk about a spirited man and a man of wisdom. He's another interesting man I'd love to have a drink with sometime at a, 
have a lounge somewhere and just chew the fat. I could talk to that man for hours and hours, probably days. Reverend Mason Weaver, it's just full of knowledge. Smart, smart as a whip. Run circles around about anybody, you know? And then now you hear Pierre Wilson, another man I'd love to sit down and chew the fat with and talk about all of it. These are great men with great wisdom and a great vision for America. Sign me up, people. I want more of that. Wow. What a great program again here of exposing the Marxist left. That's what we're doing. We're exposing. This is the playbook of the Marxist left. And I thank these gentlemen here for helping us expose that. Thank you for being on the mission. It's all back at americaoutloud.com. We'll see you there, my friends. It's time to get involved and get loud.